This is Champagne Problems, where we come together to explore the gray areas of drinking. This is a judgment-free zone where we can all take a look at how we make decisions about our relationship with alcohol. Welcome back, Curious Ones. We've got a special guest in the house today. Our good friend, Chef Sam Domenich, will be gracing us in the studio. Chef Sam is flying high right now as he makes culinary waves in the Charlotte area. He's the executive chef and owner of Your Farms, Your Table, a high-quality local ingredient meal order service. He's the personal chef of Carolina Panthers star Christian McCaffrey. He beat out Bobby Flay on his famous show, taking him down with a lobster risotto. He's a month out from opening his own brick-and-mortar culinary project, Restaurant Constance, and he's the co-leader of the Charlotte chapter of Ben's Friends, which we all know about through one of our previous episodes. Okay, he's a stud. We got it. Let's talk to Chef Sam. Chef Sam Domenich, welcome to Champagne Problems. Hey, how you doing? We're doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Glad you're here. Been Super look- happy to be here. Been looking forward to this one. Same. You know, we have a relationship with Sam here, Chef Sam. He's a friend of the podcast, number one. Number two, we did an event together. What, six? I mean, God, yeah, that might have been. Time for another one. Six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it Long is. Long enough to where it's time for another one. Always wanted him to come on the show. We've always talked about it, and it just didn't happen until now, but here we are. Yeah. Timing's time is perfect, right? Perfect. We're, yeah. all, we're all ready. Yeah. All right. So for those uh, listeners who don't know who you are, which must be very few, um, why don't you give us a little background, who you are, where are you from, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell are you? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I um, am chef owner of Your Farms, Your Table, father of two great kids, community advocate, much like you, much like you guys are, love the recovery community. Yeah, been in Charlotte since 04. Yeah. yeah. Where were you before then? Yeah. Uh, I've traveled a lot. I'm originally from Myrtle Beach, uh, but I went to school oh. in New York. Yeah, yeah. I made Dirty it out. Myrtle. I made it out. I went to school in New York, and then uh, I've worked in Mexico City. I've worked in New York. I've worked in D.C., um, Philadelphia. Traveled a bunch cooking. Yeah. You know, but settled here in 04 and then had a little detour. <laughs> Light detour. We'll dig into that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Yep. Nice in <laughs> Yeah. Yep. God had plans for me in 2013, 2014. So I followed that path and uh, returned in 17. Nice. So g- give us a little bit more of uh, the childhood. So the growing up in the kind of food industry and Myrtle Beach and family cooks and yeah. all that stuff. I- I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. There's kind of like two layers. Um, to, you know, kind of growing up the way I did in a big Italian Catholic family in Myrtle Beach. Like we, we're on paper, it was beautiful. We had restaurants. Um, you know, I'm one of five, I have four siblings, all sisters. That's another, that's probably another podcast right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think <laughs> I knew that, cons. man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, the... I'm in the middle. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. My parents met young and had kids young. And for a while there, like we had a solid like family unit. My dad's restaurants, the family's restaurants were going really, really well. And then something along the way, just um, there was just a major shift in, in my family, my, my family unit, and then the, like the business side of things too, you know, and it was like, kind of like, so the first half of my childhood was like golden and um, we all went to private school. We all, you know, we we're all in athletics and, and um, had a pre- pretty well-rounded life for the most part, you know, and then like the second half, it was like the parents got divorced um, you know, we f- fell on hard times financially from a business standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandfather 
founded the restaurants that we had and he passed away in like 82. And I guess it took about five to eight years for the rest of my, my dad and his siblings to spend all the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and then things, was- and things got real. And then like, but also Myrtle beach economically took like a very commercial turn. And I don't think I'm in business now, you know, so I can kind of reflect on that with a little bit of experience. I don't think they were prepared for that, mm. you know, and, and kind of laid the foundation for sustainability in, in the restaurants that we owned. Were they all in Myrtle? All in Myrtle. What were they? We had like three Italian restaurants. We had a breakfast place and we had like a Tex-Mex. We had a oh, couple of Tex-Mex nice. places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family, good cooks. So that was like my childhood. And then, um, you know, I think my parents got divorced in 89, 90. Uh, my mom remarried and moved. And then I'd stayed with my dad and Myrtle. So how, anyway, how so old the, are you? At so that? the family was fractured, like about 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Did you work Wrong in a restaurant like all growing up? Mm-hmm. I mean, were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was the deal. Like you I would go to, life. yeah, you'd go to, I would go to school and I'd go to base, baseball practice, ride my bike home. Um, you know what I mean? Like do homework, check in or whatever, and then ride the bike to the restaurant, walk in the back door. And what was cool about that is like, it was busy. Uh, there was like rock and rolls blaring. You know what I mean? You know, I can say this now, I look back on it romantically because like uh, the restaurant was busy. All the line cooks were all dialed in. Think like bandanas and, um, you know what I mean? And just, you know, just, just rolling. And it was just like 80s as, Myrtle. 80s Myrtle. Beat. Yeah. yeah as, as a young boy. Can like, Am. Remember you know Can I mean? Am? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> but, the, you know, the waitresses were hustling and bustling. And um, it was just a really like I was just completely attracted to that, like that environment, that atmosphere, that pulse, that energy, mm-hmm. um, everything about it. And then like. You know, we were a family-owned restaurant, so uh, so we had like the restaurant. When the restaurant was busy, it was all business. When the restaurant was busy, you know, we turned the jam box around that was sitting in the window to the backyard, and we had a basketball hoop in the back back there. So we'd play three on three between tickets. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it was it was very old world. But what also happened, and this was like my first. This is basically the like the foundational beginnings of my relationship with alcohol and drugs was like everybody drank. Yeah, you know what I mean. There was oh, yeah. there was like shitty beer. No. I'll tell you that, but like beer. Keystone, yeah. so that they yeah. could work all night, right? Yeah. Stay hydrated. Um, but yeah, no, that was it. I mean, Coors Light, Keystone Light, Bush Light, they were flowing all night. And then in between um, tables or end of the night, you know what I mean? Like the joints would come out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The trips to the to the, the stairwell in the backyard, or mm-hmm. we'd be, you know, lined up to take the trash out. Yeah, I mean, all the things, yeah. right? I got it, I got all it. The th- yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my turn. <laughs> you must need a hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, no, but that was my childhood. And then, um, you know, my mom away, my dad was just, he just like, um, he loved this man, but he just wasn't really into being a dad. You know what I mean? Like, he, I, I don't know if he was just wasn't equipped. Wasn't into it, combination of both, you know what I mean? But when it was just me and him, I was, you know, I was kind of on my own. Oh, that restaurant mm-hmm. industry will take a toll on you mm-hmm. too if you're the man of the, yeah. man at the helm. Yeah, yeah, I sure will. It's, father of five kids, yeah. he's got multiple restaurants, he's fallen on a little financial strife. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Right? I think we all <laughs> yeah. get it. It's tough. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like the formative years, it just weren't, it just weren't, there wasn't a whole lot going on right there, you know? So there was a lot. And this kind of affected, when I look back on recovery and my, my journey with sobriety, like a lot of um, the tools that I had to utilize then, which was basically figured out on my own, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of willpower-based willpower decisions, like that all started then, Yeah. you know what I mean? Whenever it was just me and him. Yeah. I'm six, you know, I mean, 16 years old, you know, trying to figure life, girls, <laughs> like school, like all the things. It was like, just figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Handle it. Right. Okay. 
cool. Yeah. And if you don't, I'll do it pretend, my way. Pretend yeah. like you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, right. and don't until, complain too much when you do something and it hurts real bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. But, just get back up, and dust oh. yourself off. Yeah. So anyway, so that was like the, so that was the, like the intersection of um you know I love cooking obviously I still do it today and and um I can't imagine life without it um but it was also like the intersection of drinking the drugs the atmosphere um the conditioning sort of speak yeah you know of what uh, the next thirty years will look like yeah so what's the next step so you you said you went to school in New York well actually I went to uh, well one I, I give my dad credit for this like he did I graduated high school after my junior year. It was. A, I took summer classes. Like I just did not want to be there. I was not because Get I was a genius. I just hated it. I hated it. My mom did that. Not because of my intelligence. That was like no, man. I was like I am not into this, and I think they all knew it. And so I got to graduate. I took an elective in English in the summer of '94. Um, there were no SAT tests. There was no college visits. Nothing. Nothing like that. My sisters all did, but I never did. And so anyway, so I remember I graduated, and then like a couple weeks later, like he kicked me off the couch. It was like going to school. I was like, I am. He was like, Yeah. I was like, Where? <laughs> Tech school. I got, you know, it was like one of those dad moments where I made a call. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he made yeah. a call out to culinary school. I and next thing I know, you know, he like threw some money at me. He was like, wow. Yeah, get some shoes and some knives or whatever. And then, you know, be out there. And it was in Conway. And he was like, Yeah, be out there at eight o'clock. And so off I went. Conway. Conway. Yeah. It was out there by coastal Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that was I that. Went, and then I about nine. <laughs> yeah, five hundred one. Yeah, five hundred one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, about the same time, I um, I think he had made a call into this hotel restaurant for me to go work as well. You know, and and um, so I I so my life changed drastically. Like one minute I'm in high school, the next you know I'm in I'm in tech school. Your man, and I didn't know I was going. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? And then I have this new job working for this um, classically trained chef. He was a hard ass. He made everything from scratch, and I was like immersed in this new experience. You know, and of course, I, I already kind of loved cooking. I just didn't know how to do it yet. You know, I knew how to do it in my dad's restaurant. But I couldn't like go into any other kitchen and really function, you know. And so then, right then and there, I had an understanding where I was experiencing like summertime pe uh, peaches and tomatoes in the summertime or, or why we didn't have tomatoes in the wintertime. You know what I mean? Like, so seasonal foods, fresh from scratch cooking, really just like just passionate attention to detail, day-to-day -day operations. You, do you feel like that experience, you know, kind of led you down the path that you're on now? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I always that, consider yeah. like my, my relationship with food began with like my grandmother and my parents, yeah. you know, but my relationship with food on a professional level began there. Right there. Yeah. All right. So let's do the dirty. Let's get dirty. <laughs> so tell us more about the, uh, the journey to sobriety. The journey? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want, yeah. However you want to do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, okay. So I, um. You know, I remember just like being in counselor's office at a young age, 14, 15. Um, I remember being asked to go to AA meetings, uh, 14, 15, 16 years old. Like you pro you should probably go to this coffee shop. <laughs> That's an early over call there. there. On 67th <laughs> Avenue. Yeah. And um, no, I'm good. Yeah. And be like, for what? And just like, just not, you know, I mean, just not subscribing to that, that theory at all. And so while that was, while that was happening, Again, it was like I leaned back on, uh, I leaned into what I was kind of what I was talking about with, with just like learning how to live life on my own. You know, I just thought I would figure it out just like I figured everything else out, you know. And so whenever things got kind of rough, you know, alcohol or drugs were clearly getting in the way, I would figure out my, I would figure my way out of that, whatever mess I was in. As we all know, it's like, it's one of those things where I could not run it. I could not outrun it. 
Now, I did have periods of um, abstinence throughout my life, only to be followed by periods of severe relapse and, um, you know, in deeper bottoms. Uh, you know, when, when I went to school in New York, the Culinary Institute of America, I went up there and I was like, I was very nervous about that. And I took that very seriously and I didn't drink. I didn't do anything for my first two years, wow. really up until I, I was guaranteed my graduation. Was it hard? Like, I mean, were you it like... It was weird, man. It was weird. Like, you know, it's one of those things, like for me, like I drank, I remember just drinking and using because I felt different. You know what I mean? Like there was something different about me. Mm-hmm. Um, than, than, all, than all my friends that I hung out with, most of them. And I remember if I want to feel like them, then I got to do what I got to do, you know, to escape this reality. And so I go up to up to New York in this new experience, and I just didn't, like it was one of those situations where I was playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defense. Yeah. And, um, and I remember going up there for like a year and a half and just really just like just promising myself I would take this seriously, and I, would, and I did well. And I worked hard, um, but when it came to like socialization and hanging out with people, it was so awkward, man. It was so awkward because they're like, <laughs> they're like, let me get this straight. So you don't drink at all? And I was like, nope, sure don't. You know what I mean? Have you ever drank before? Kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm in college, man. You yeah. know, and and so I held on to that as what? long as I could. I mean, did you do that specifically because you knew? That if you drank, you weren't going to be able to do what you needed to do. One hundred percent. Okay. One hundred percent. That's pretty yeah, cool that you that had that, that type point. of awareness yeah. at that point where you just could cut it off. Yeah. And and yep. pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do what you need to do. Yeah. So at this point, I'd already done heroin. Like I'd already done. Yeah. A, I've already smoked crack. Yeah. I've already done a bunch of acid. You know what I mean? So like I had a little resume to lean on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like and I was like, like you, knew, you knew that, that I, crack I, smoking during I culinary like, school ain't gonna be functional. <laughs> There's no control of crack smoking for Sam Dennis. Um, but I felt like uh, you know this is my one opportunity to get out of Myrtle. It's one my one yeah. opportunity in life. You know what I mean? And so I I don't know. I, you know, it's driven by fear, right? You know, yeah. it's driven by hundred yeah. forms of fear. So I did that. And, um, and I did really well in academics and I was super proud and I felt esteemed. And then once I turned the corner, it's a five semester co- uh, program. I got to semester five and I realized like I was definitely going to graduate. Like there was nothing I could do from, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from where I was at. Can't self-sabotage <laughs> now. Except yeah. for like yeah. not show up for the last yeah, three we weeks. Probably some crack now. <laughs> <laughs> I started drinking. And um, well, it's so crazy now and I can laugh about it. Is that, I mean, I went, I picked up exactly where I left off, only a little bit further. And if you've ever relapsed, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and I freaked some fucking people out. And they were like, let me get <laughs> let me get this straight. So you've never, this is your first, you just drank a case of beer. Like, this is your first time drinking? <laughs> I'm like, yep. <laughs> I'm really thirsty. It's been a long week. And so, but like, but that is like, oh, man. that's classic alcoholism classic it's classic alcoholism man yeah. i held on i mean like i held on to my seat for a year and a half and i was i was in new york i was in a strange place and then i went and did my apprenticeship in philadelphia stranger place and you know what i mean and so you know it just goes to show it's like it's not what it appears to be on the surface like al- like alcoholism and recovery it's an inside job and i learned that the hard way when i was in new york when you were in new york were you doing any program like i mean obviously you'd been to meetings and kind of understood that there was a program out there were you doing any of that or were you just knuckling through the the school yeah you know that's a great question and i did go to i wanted to go to aa meetings yeah again like i had no idea what that shit was about i just knew that people had told me that in the past mm-hmm. and i went to our guidance counselor because i heard there was an aa meeting on campus and i wanted to go to this meeting but it was on the opposite schedule that i was enrolled in 
I think it was my, my, my schedule in school was like either AM or PM. And I think I was on PM and I think the meetings were in the evening time. Mm. Right. Most meetings yeah. are. And so I remember going to the guidance counselor and be like, Hey, can I switch my schedule? Can I just go to the mornings? Cause I want to go to this Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to change my life. And she was like, Nope. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, Good sweet. Pal. Good luck. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to go anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, answered my decision. Man, it's like, it's like one of those oh, things. It's her fault. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. I was like, okay, cool. Awesome. Licensed <laughs> to do whatever I want. Appreciate that. Oh, man. Signed, sealed, and delivered by one of the greatest culinary schools in the world. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Rock bottom ish area. Yeah. All right. So, um, so that's <laughs> like that's a well, lot done. Let's start here. laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how did this progress? So you, yeah. you 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 get out of school, start playing around a little bit, then what? Yeah. So like so I went from my so my fifth term, I pick up. We start drinking again, and next thing you know, we're going to Harlem. Like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't. We weren't waiting. You know what I mean? So yeah, we yeah. so we're running up and running drugs up and down the interstate, yeah. New York. And it dawned on me like this is this is not good. I wanted what to be a chef. This is not good. <laughs> so I graduate and I move back to Myrtle Beach. The cat's out of the bag, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't stop. Opiates are in the picture. Al- alcoholism, alcohol is in the picture. Um, uppers, downers. You know what I mean? Like everything. anything, everything, everything you're, under you're the sun, right? But I'm back in Myrtle Beach. I had to fulfill some contractual obligations. The, um, you know, the, the hotel that I worked for previously helped me with my tuition, so I had to go back and. Um, worked for them for about a year. Couldn't finish that. You know what I mean? And it, it quickly just became a hot mess. I left them. I wound up going to D.C. for a brief moment. Again, like running and gunning, you know, drinking and drugging. 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was living in D.C. when 9-11 happened. And so I lost my job there, like a lot of people did. I had to move back to Myrtle Beach, go back and um, work for my dad again as a waiter. And that's when I met uh, my children's mom. And so... Um, and we immediately began dating, and, and we got together, and um, and soon after that, uh, we were expecting our child, first child, yeah. Constance. You know, as as time went on, so did my alcoholism. Uh, you know, and it, it did not get any better. And, you know, if if I wasn't drinking, then I was dabbling in drugs a little bit harder than I normally would. If I wasn't dabbling in drugs, I was drinking a little bit harder than I normally would. You know what I mean? By two thousand and four, actually two thousand three, I was in uh, treatment again. Where, I'd already here, been here to a couple like detoxes. Lo- locally? No, I was like... in I was in a place called in Florence. I don't even remember the name oh, okay. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it was the first of a string of yeah, places, yeah, yeah. you know, that I started going to. They shipped me off and I'd come back and I'd make it for a couple of weeks and then fall off. Um, 2004, I go away again. You know, at this point, I've got a police record. You know, it's just ugly. It's a mess. And uh, so I wound up going to, um, it was almost like this psych ward place in Raleigh. And then from there, I went up to Hope Valley up in the mountains. Yeah. And spent oh, some time up there. I went to Hope Valley. You went to Hope Valley? I did. My, fir- my first run was in Hope Valley. Food was so good. <laughs> it was all, yeah, it was all Southern. Food was southern so pride. good, man. Put on like yeah. 15 pounds. Of- Honestly, yeah. And a beard. And so, I, yeah, I remember getting wrapping up my stay at Hope Valley. And I remember like nobody would come and get me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there was like none of the siblings. All my siblings were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> That's hopeful. Yeah. We're not doing <laughs> And so, uh, and so, you know, Tracy's like, uh, uh-uh, yeah, somebody else got to handle this. And so that's just like symbolic of like just how much of a mess I was, you yeah. know, and how much of a storm I was, you know what I mean? Through people's lives and how much of a break they needed from me, you know? And, and so anyway, so whatever. So I finally make it back to Charlotte and this is a significant part of my story because I go back to Charlotte, I, you know, I leave Hope Valley. Um, Hope Valley is a 12 step program. And I remember thinking like, okay, cool. This is just something I have to do. 
You know what I mean? Like I didn't understand it. I didn't comprehend it. I didn't understand how um, integral it would be to my health, you know, and how it would be a foundation. Uh, it could be a foundation of long-term recovery. I didn't take it seriously. I just thought I'd go to meetings. So I come back to Charlotte, um, go into AA meetings, you know, but I'm not doing any work. I'm not doing any internal work. I'm not doing any step work. Uh, I remember we did like third step prayer and, and my sponsor at the time like held my hand and I was like, what is this? What is going on here? Man? What is work. this all about? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But that's like, but that's how like, you know, and it goes back to one of those things where it's like in the back of my mind, again, it's like one of those things I picked up in childhood, man. It's like, I don't need this. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, and, and I held on just like I held on in school. I held on and I, I picked up a five-year chip. 2004, 2009, you know, without any step work, without doing oh, yeah. any, um, any internal stuff. And I was kindling, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all that took was a spark. I remember I picked up a five-year chip and I think Tracy and the kids were there. Like it was, I don't know. I was trying to make a scene out of it, probably make it about me. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, like we do. And uh, I remember an old timer in the meeting, he looked over whenever I got my chip or they called my name, whatever. He looked at me like, how are you still sober? <laughs> because I, I didn't think you were you for five years, <laughs> yeah. man. I haven't yeah. seen you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lift up a damn hand to yeah, do anything yeah. about what the real problem is. So yeah. So soon after that, I think I separated my shoulder. I did working. And, um, and I went to the dock and the same dock. See, this is so crazy. And, and like why I think your message is so important. And you know, the message that we all try to share is so important. The same doctor that knew that I was in 12 step program and gone to treatment and done all this stuff, you know, he writes me a script for 120. Yeah. yeah. Here's a thousand Percocets. 120 Percocet. Like it was in the biggest fucking yeah. bottle. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was two hands. And I remember leaving there and I'd be like, you know, hey, because I hadn't done any step work, I had no spiritual defense, right? You know what I mean? Which is, that's the Toast. name of the game. It's like, <laughs> this is not I, good. Yeah. No, not I good. couldn't hold myself accountable. I wouldn't call on anybody. I wouldn't let anybody know. Yeah. And, um, and I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, like, okay, cool. Well, if he, he knows I'm in a program, he just prescribed me this. Maybe I'm supposed to take him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd already had a long battle with opiates, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I remember at the time thinking, like, I'll just take six. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's been five years. So I'll just take yeah. six. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where it's like, it's again, it's like one of the symbolic situations in my life to um, that illustrate just how important the work between the lines, between the meetings, after the meeting, before the meeting. You know what I mean? The, the solo work is all it, how important it is. No, off I went before I knew it. Um, you know, I, I go to extremes and before I knew it, like the, the pills wouldn't work anymore. I mean, it was either heroin, you know, or I was in a methadone clinic, one of the two. And so once, uh, like, once you reach that level, there's not a whole lot you can really do without some sort of, um, you know, somebody running interfer interference on it, mm -hmm. yeah. you know what I mean? And so, um, there, you know, continued a pattern of like inconsistent behavior, um, inconsistent professional, you know, like just the ability to work, hold down a job, completely inconsistent, you know what I mean? Like I would have a couple great months or maybe even a year, put a year together. And you're you know, Charlotte it would just fall apart. I'm all over. Yeah, I'm in Charlotte. I'm working yeah. for a couple of different chefs here. But yeah. uh, I remember I was I was at the BLT and and um, I was a mess at the BLT and and they knew it, right? BLT in the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was a mess at the Ritz Carlton and they knew it. And um, and before I could really even like address that situation, I found a job in Gastonia. You know what I mean? So I was just like yeah. bouncing around, and um, and really running. And so anyway, so, th so that's what 2010 through 2013 looked like. Then, um, towards the end of 2013, it's bad. You know, I'm mixing Coke, I'm mixing heroin. You know what I mean? Like it's really, really bad. 
Um, I'm around my family one minute and the next minute I'm gone, you know? And, and so that's, so that's the kind of alcoholic and addict how old, I am. How old are your kids at this point? At this point, um, well, Alan Gray was born in, in 07. Constance was born. Um, she's an 03 baby. You're looking at, you know, four, what, five, six yeah. years old for Alan Gray. And, then and are you still with the, with their mom at this point? Yeah. 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 God bless her. Yeah, I mean, like, but, you know, but she'd had enough. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. It, just every, what she could do. Everybody knew, you know what I mean? Like, everybody knew, and, and um, bless her heart, man. Like, all she wanted from me was to, just to be healthy and, mm-hmm. you know, and be a dad, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So, yeah, 2013 yes. rolls around. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, I think one day I was just gone. I just left, and I and I think I made the conscious decision. That it's just, and, and, like, that's that goes to show, like, how sick – this disease is, and it's like, I didn't, I ain't got time to be a dad. I damn yeah. sure don't have time to be a husband. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time to cook. You know, I got to get busy dying. Yeah. And so I just left. That's the real pain right there. Man. It is, man. You it know is. It's there. It is. And, um, and so I'm busy dying and I don't have time. I remember I, I got rid of my cell phone. I, I you know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. just want to be left alone in the street. And that's what I did, you know? And so, um, you know, the next two years would continue to be on the streets you know, occasionally hit the couch, you know, occasionally have a sister who would let me in the door, occasionally maybe go home for a night or two, get a shower, clean up for a minute, and then I would return. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was dark, it was super dark. And you were running, yeah. that was around here. It was here, it was over on um, yeah. State Street, yeah. yeah, right, not too far from where I work now. Yeah, yeah, State Street in Takasiji, that neighborhood, and then um, South Boulevard, I'd run up and down South, Yeah, running and gunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um, and so, fast forward to like, 2000 and um, the end of 13, uh, it, it's getting really, really bad, like dangerously bad, like yeah. life's on the line. And it wasn't like I was um, drinking myself to death or using myself to death. It was it was the shit I was doing to get what I needed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that was uh, really frightening. And so, um, you know, I think I, I just was like, you know what? Let me just try something different, reached out for help. And um, and I went away a couple of times couple of detoxes and then, uh, um, and then treatment center down in, um, in South Carolina and Sumter, any link. And I was there for like, I don't know, you know, three months, something like that. Checked myself out and then just resumed. Oh, and just resumed. Damn it, Sam. Yeah. Pause. Oh, it was Thought just this a was pause. ending. All right. No, keep it was going. pause. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then, so the summer of 14, spring and summer and fall of 14 was just me on the street. I think I had a job for about five minutes and I bought a car. That was another five minutes. Didn't never made a payment. You know what I mean? It was like oh, it was yeah. just gross. Give me, give me that thing. Yeah, it was just gross. And um, and so anyway, so off the street, off to the street, I went. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. So much violence, zero loyalty. Yeah, you know what I mean? For your life when you're out there like that. It was like survival. It yeah. really was survival. Yeah, I mean, sleep. You know what I mean? Like sleeping Animal in gas stations level. and yeah. behind dumpsters, and you know, and then like with one eye open. It, it's yeah. really, a, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I'm too. I'm truly lucky to still be here. And hell yeah, you, you know are. what I mean? And, and have a pulse. It's one of those things where, like, if we look back to the beginning of the conversation, I told you about, you know, willpower and, the, the, like, the, the, my processes for making decisions. It was like, man, I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm on my own. You know what I mean? I'll continue to make these decisions on my own, and that's how I function until the price of pain says otherwise. Mm-hmm. When I went away in November of 2014, it was just after – um, I was assaulted in the street and I was assaulted in the street because I was accused of being an undercover cop in the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. That, that right. Good. Yep. And so they wanted to kill me. Right. And so when I went away, it wasn't to get sober. Yeah. 
It wasn't like, oh my God, you know, I want to be a dad. I want to yeah. be, a, you know what I mean? Like, I want to reunite with my family. It was like, I, I don't, I want, don't want my kids to bury me. That was my impetus for le- for leaving town. You know what I mean? Like, it literally, like, seven in the morning, I'd been up for a couple of days. Um, walls are closing in. You know, I'd leave a trap house on South Boulevard, um, right across from the train station. I jump on the train. First of all, I'm dope sick. You know what I mean? So I had to get some liquor. I get some liquor, steal some liquor. I jump on the train. I go to the bus station downtown. I call my mom. Say, I got to get out of here. You know what I mean? This is not a good situation. Like, I'm in some serious trouble. And I was. And if they would have found me, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm certain yeah, that like, they wouldn't have finished me off. And so anyway, so that's, so there was no, pl- I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I just knew how to get out of Charlotte. So I take a bus to Myrtle and I get off the bus in Myrtle and, and uh, I got one of my sisters there waiting on me, you know, and they just asked me, you know, you got to say the words, you want to get help. I said, I think I do. I definitely need to go somewhere. And, um, and so anyway, so whatever. So one up given any length, a call down in Sumter and any length answers the phone when the, one of the um, counselors down there and they were like, yeah, we've been waiting on him. He's been calling. So hmm. I was calling like 3 a.m. and leaving messages on their voicemail. And it's like, yeah, we've been waiting on this guy. I'm glad he's still alive. Do you remember doing that? No, no idea. None. Wow. Yeah. But it was, you know, obviously it was a cry for help. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Was. You know, like something within my, my moral compass said this is wrong. So off I go to any length. You know, and, and at this point, I've got a shirt. <laughs> I've got a pair of pants. <laughs> and I've got a pair of shoes with holes in them, man. Yeah. You know, and, and I think my sister took me to uh, like a Goodwill on the way. And I got one more set of clothes. And off I went. I remember getting there and, um, it was soon after I was assaulted. So I had, um, yeah, like my head, my head was like bolted shut. I had 11 staples up here. All this was open up right here. So I had a bunch of, bunch of stitches in my eye, you know, my nose had been broken. My shoulder had been separated. Looking yeah. good. Mm. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And, Street um, wounds, <laughs> fresh out of Sunday I school. I mentioned the price of pain, man. That's that, you know Hell what I mean. Yeah, like, dude, I know. It's not. It's not a badge of honor. It shouldn't be that way, but that's just the way it was for me. And um, so I arrive at any length. I hit the couch before a bed would open up. And this is what I love about any length. Any length is run by people in recovery. Most of the people at any length have already been through any length. Yeah. Right. And at any length, um, there is no set amount of time that you stay because they understand the fact that everybody recovers on a different timeline. Like recovery is not a one size fits all scenarios. Right. And so anyway, so they knew that I was a fighter, you know, I'd probably try to flee, you know, at some point (laughs) or they wouldn't, they would know that I would probably do because I've been to a bunch of treatments. So I knew what to say and how to say Mm -hmm. it, you know what I mean? Do the, do the rehab lingo and, Mm -hmm. and, um, but they just sat on me, man. They wouldn't let me do work any steps, um, for like three months. You know, you know, I'd walk into the office. I'd walk into the office. (laughs) No, I'd walk in the office. What you got for me? What can I do? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, go read how it works. Uh, (laughs) I've been doing that for two months. (laughs) And so anyway, yeah, they're like, go ahead and do it. So that's what I, so, but there was a reason behind that. Like in order to understand the steps, you gotta, you gotta understand how it works. And I'd love them for that because I had, like, I had to go through that in a safe place and yeah. secure place, you know, where people understood what exactly was going on. And so anyway, so I think, um, you know, that, that stay, uh, those words, the way they handled me saved my life, you know? And, and I remember, um, you would think like my rock bottom would be on the street, get my ass thrown out of a second floor window. Right. You know what I mean? But it wasn't normal. People would think that normal people would think that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, but, sense. but that wasn't my case. My case, I, I hit rock bottom at like five months of abstinence, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in the treatment center, and um, and I remember we read, we were reading out of the big book, 
and it was page 95, third paragraph from the top. And it was working with, it was working with others. And it says that the alcoholic cannot be pushed, prodded or persuaded by his wife, family, or friends. If he has to find God, he has to find God from within. We read that on a Saturday morning. And, um, and I remember once that meeting was over, I just broke down and, and, I, and I knew like if I was going to have to do this thing called life, then I was going to have to ask for help. You know, some things are going to have to change. Yeah. Dude, it's so, so that's really the beginning of my journey. It's so crazy to me. Look, like mm. hearing so many people's recovery and healing journeys and all, all the different like passages or relationships or interactions or talks that are like the point mm-hmm. where it clicked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like yours was that specific passage. Yeah. It, uh, Pretty powerful. It's, it's interesting to me how... Like it's it's different for everybody. Well, yeah. and you could have read that passage. You probably read that passage, yeah. you know, multiple times prior to that. It was that it was that perfect that, storm, that day, that time, everything about where you were that that made it hit. Yeah, and it's almost like it read itself to me, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it spoke to me and said, "Look, dude, you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. just sur- surrender. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Try something different." And then finally, I was like, "Fuck it!" You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. trying this twelve and twelve thing. You guys got hang on the wall. <laughs> it's not gonna work, but I'll do it. Fuck it. <laughs> Fucking I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. yep. I guess. Yep. And then like from but from then, man, like, you know, I'm I'm in this place where I'm like, I'm alone. Um, I'm convinced that I'm born on the wrong planet. You know what I mean? I just yeah. didn't belong. You yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. and it was that that feeling that I've been running from since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Thirty eight years old, man. Thirty eight mm-hmm. years old in another treatment center. I um, you know, I, I've walked out on a wife and two kids. I, you know, I owed all kinds of banks money. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was horrible. And this thing called life just didn't work for me. And I didn't understand why I was still here. And from then, probably for the next month or so, you know, I just, I figured that I would just live in an institution for the rest of my life. I was convinced of it. Yeah. I was really convinced of it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah. Uh, that's deep, man. Yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So they release you from any lengths. And then yeah. So it was a, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No. 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 Still it, living there? That's another thing, too, is like, is. Um, got to check in here in a little bit. It's like my, uh, you know, this disease, it, I just consider it a disease and disease manifested. And so um, about a month later, they'd had enough of me. You know, I've, I've been living there, but I've been breaking rules. I was non-compliant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like just acting out. And you know what I mean? They just said, look, we love you. But we can't keep you like this. Yeah. You know, we have to hold you accountable. And so what what happened next was um again, it was like key, like, and that's why I love Anylink so much. I'm always bragging on them, is um, you know, that you gotta go. We need you out of here. I, I couldn't live. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't uh, like I wouldn't follow rules, you know what I mean? Uh, in like just like dating and and going off premises and stuff like that it was it was I was just breaking all the rules so I couldn't but that was my alcoholism right mm-hmm. like self yeah. self will yeah. run what right yeah, yeah, yeah. and so anyway they were like look it, you know I was like I don't I don't know where I'm gonna go what I'm gonna do and and I was thinking I'd return to Charlotte with my kids and my wife were here and they were like what you need to do is stay in Sumter all right and go to a goddamn meeting sit mm-hmm. your ass in a meeting try shutting you know try yeah, shutting your mouth shut for up. a minute and see what happens help some people. And I was like, I remember thinking, I was like, I can do that. I think I can do that. You know, and so I rented a room in Sumter and I moved in with a friend of mine that I grew up in, um, in Myrtle with that was living in Sumter. He don't, he'd already been through any length. He'd been sober a little bit. And I rented a room. I had like, a, you know, a few more pairs of clothes. I had no car, no bike, no nothing. I did have a job because that was part of um, the any length curriculum. So you had, to work, you had to have a job while you went to treatment there. So I kept my job and I moved in. I rented this room. 
Yeah, I had an air mattress. That's right. I remember I had an air mattress. And I went to Walmart, got one of those Walmart phones. And um, and I just I would just walk to a meeting every single day. Every single day I'd walk to a meeting and walk back. And every single day I would wake up wondering if, you know, I would want to use again. Mm. You know what I mean? I'd wake up literally wait wondering if this was gonna be the day whenever I drank or used again. And and I would think about that on my way to the meeting that I was walking to. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, um, you know, like, first of all, I should say, like, the, the, the local recovery community down there wrapped their arms around me, you know. And again, like, I'm still consider, I still consider myself different because I'm going to AA, but I have a drug history, you know what I mean? But they didn't care. They didn't care, yeah. you know. And, and they were like, look, that's, you know what I mean? You stick around long enough, you're us. That's not your problem. Your right. problem is yourself, you know what I mean? And so anyway, so I just love that. I love that. I loved um, being accepted. And, um, and so it made me want to, you know, wanted to, to, you know, just to keep on coming back, which I did. Um, I kept my job. So eventually I bought a bike and then eventually I bought a car. My first car was like this old, uh, Hyundai Elantra. I think I, I paid seven fifty for it, but had to make payments. You know what I mean? It was like one of those classic, like <laughs> classic situations. Like the doors didn't work. Like it was great. Cash payment. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but about that time, that was like you know I I I start I started to seeing recovery benefits working. Recovery benefits. Yeah, you know I was still being sponsored and I had sponsees. Like I was doing the deal, and only then did I start to return to Charlotte and you know be a part of my kid's life again. Huh. That was super special. You know, something that stood out was those those walks to the meetings and every day not knowing if that was going to be the day you used again or relapsed or whatever. Like I remember those those thoughts and those feelings and it and it was like in my head it was it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to use again, but I sure as hell hope it's not today. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to do whatever I can today to not make it today. Yeah. And then you string a few of those along and that's that that I'm going to probably use again becomes oh, I might not use again and then and then that thing that we hated saying when we first got to the program, which is I'm never fucking using again, we start saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the way it always ha- it always happened that way, right? Yeah. I, you know what I mean? I'm, 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 you know, I'm one of those guys, maybe like you guys as well, that that drank when I didn't want to drink. Oh yeah. I used drugs when I didn't want to use drugs, oh. man. Oh. You know, I stole shit from I, when I didn't want to steal shit, and so that was just what I knew. Um, but what was cool about it was, was like I think. I, I, you know, what I love about the 12 steps is like, it's very pragmatic, right? You know what I mean? Here's your problem. What? Here's your solution. You know, are you willing to, to do what you got to do to, to bridge the gap? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I didn't understand what, what all was happening. All I knew was I, I, I was still sober, you know what I mean? And, and I still had a chance, you know? And so yeah. anyway, so that's what, that's what kept me going. Things kept getting better too. That's, yeah. And things kept getting better and that's what kept me going. So how'd you get back? So you get back to Charlotte. What was your in, like, reintegration? <laughs> How did that look like? Like with family and hey, you know, and it starts, look at me. <laughs> he's better. No man, no. See, I, I, give I've him some money. History of this, <laughs> history of this. And so, um, you know, I, you know, I come back and it's supervised. You know, it's yeah. a supervised situation. Actually, I remember the very first time I got back, I went to a swim meet. Um, Constance was a good swimmer. She's a really good swimmer, and um, and I don't think she knew I was coming because I don't think her mom felt secure enough, you know what yeah, I mean, okay. with my history to even let them know. As her so mom as, didn't know you were, were going <laughs> to yeah, make it or not. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I remember her seeing her and she saw me. And um, and so this is a cool, like, chapter of my life where I really learned about empathy. And I remember looking she, – she realized I was there. I'm at a swim meet somewhere in South Charlotte, fancy swimming pool. And she just smiled. 
Oh. And it's it, like, you know what I mean? That and she was sober. so fucking happy, dude. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> oh, man. yeah. And, uh, and so we, you know, so we had this, this great afternoon together, you know, and I'm sure that we went out to dinner and I'm sure that, you know what I mean? We celebrated each other a little bit and then went back, but you know, I, I wound up living down in Sumter for two years, two years and change. And, um, and what happened was this, and this is like, you know, like God does for us, we can't do it for ourselves. Right. I remember soon after leaving any length, I was on, um, Craigslist, like looking for a chef position in Charlotte. Yeah. Well, this restaurant in Sumter posted a chef position in Charlotte's Craigslist. Right. Wow. And this restaurant was super high end. Um, it was kind of in my wheelhouse, what I'd done all my life. And so I was like, I, you know what I mean? So I'm looking at That's this it. and it's in Sumter. And Lay so, and so, so whatever. So off I go to this restaurant, apply for a position as a line cook. I get hired finally after weeks, <laughs> like very suspective, like, you know I mean? Like a guy living in Sumter, South Carolina with CIA and, mm-hmm. and been across the country and around the world. I get this job, right? And this this family, it's the Thompsons. They play an instrumental role in shaping my life in the next two years. And and what I mean by that, and the chef Raphael, was that everything that I was hearing in the rooms from a principal standpoint, open minded, honest, honesty, um, willingness, you know, hard work, like very blue collar, selflessness. Yeah. selflessness. Yeah, I was feeling it. I was experiencing it in the restaurant um, that all, I was just hired all, at. All a part of their culture. Or part of the culture, That's yeah. Awesome. And so everything that I was hearing in the meetings, I was seeing in real life. And so that was like, it was completely propelling. And, and so I found a home there. And um, and I went up working there for two years. How I got back to Charlotte was like this. Um, I, I started as a line cook and I worked my way up to a sous chef. Um, they were expanding. They were opening more restaurants. And I'm sure that they had me in mind for the expansion. So that has to be, you know, spoke, that has to be said. But um, every Christmas they would hand out bonuses. They would hand out Christmas bonuses. And, um, and I got pulled in the office one December, um, you know, and I thought for sure I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> what did I do this time? And, um, now I'm, and they handed me an envelope and in the envelope, um, was, now I got to proceed by saying this. Um, I, I asked God for the past two years when he, when I would be able to move back to Charlotte and do this thing with my kid. Um, so in this envelope, um, was enough money for me to, to rent a U-Haul, put a deposit down for an apartment, you know, and set up shop here in Charlotte. Yep. And I, and I, I get the envelope open up and I'm like, holy shit, this is wild. You know what I mean? And part of me couldn't accept it because I knew what I was going to do with it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they probably knew it too, you know, but they were the type of family where it was like, no, you've earned this. You've been the most consistent employee we've had in years. So I, you know, so whatever. So I get this bonus. Um, but I hear the word consistent, you know, and consistent had never, had never been called consistent in my life ever. And I'd have all kinds of accolades. You know what I mean? I went to school, you know, I've worked at some really nice restaurants, but I'd never been called consistent. And I, and, and so anyway, so it was, it was, it meant a lot to me, you know, and, and soon after that, I'm back in Charlotte, 2017, January, 2017. I mean, there's another example. So I, I go to work at this, at a uh, Fran's filling station over in Dilworth. Oh yeah. Yep. You guys heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yep. And I, and, yeah. And, um, and so, um, I worked for Fran for about six months. Um, something told me like that, that wasn't the place I needed to be for whatever reason. Right. And, um, I don't know, it just, we weren't in alignment on, um, you know, what I wanted to do and what the expectations were for the position that I was in. And I remember, and this is another God shot moment, man, but I, I was on the back steps of Fran's filling station and I was on Craigslist again, looking for another position. And I see an ad for from upstream. All right. 
And um, immediately I'm like, oh man, you know, and, and if I didn't mention this earlier, I'd already had a stint with Upstream in the mid 2000s. Yeah. I'd already been there. And so I call the chef, um, Scott, and I say, hey, I'm looking at your ad. I was like, you know, is there any chance, you know, we can sit down and have a conversation? You have to understand, like, everybody knew, like, there was what I went through was no big secret here in yeah. Charlotte, yeah, especially yeah. in the chef community. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I was damaged goods. And I wasn't even sure if he'd take my call, much less sit down for a conversation. Scott answers the phone and um, whatever, we have a brief conversation and, and he's like, there's no ad. I didn't, I didn't place an ad. And I was like, I'm looking at the ad. I'm looking at the ad. He's like, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like that position's been taken. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. You know, thank you anyway. Thank you for your time. And before I hung up, he goes, I'll tell you what, you know, let's, let's have a cup of coffee. Meet me at Mimosa Grill um, downtown. Mm-hmm. All right. And we'll take it from there. And he goes, but I'll tell you right now, we're going to do a drug test. You know what I mean? We're going to do a background test, uh, yeah. check. I said, all right, you know, so far so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. I'll take that. You know what I mean? But it was, an, it was another gotcha shot moment. Like, so th- there was no ad. I, I assume it was, uh, you know, it was saved from an, another yeah, yeah, search yeah. they had in the past and just came up in my search engine. And, um, and so whatever, so we met, one thing led to another and, um, I, I got, uh, the position of chef to cuisine at upstream. <laughs> God. Yeah. That yeah. It's nuts. Dude. Yeah. Then, I, um, you know, I found my flow, man. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, immersed in recovery here in Charlotte, uh, mm-hmm. regular meetings, regular schedule. Um, you know, I, I, I was grounded, you know, I had good people around me, you know, yeah. and, and, um, and I love to cook and I was just, you know what I mean? So I'm at upstream and I'm, um, you know, I'm just in a good place, man. You know, I'm repairing the relationship with my kids. Um, this is 17, 18, 17, 18. Yeah. Okay. 17, 18. And, um, and, um, you know, and just things are starting to line up. Like the promises that they talk about are, are starting to come true and I'm still sober, you know, and that meant the most. And so, um, how much time you got at this point? My sobriety date is November 16th, 2014. Okay. So you're yeah. coming up four, yeah. four, yeah. four years. Yeah. Four years. Beautiful. Yeah. And so, um, you know what I mean? And so I'm just, you know, in a position of gratitude. Um, we're, you know, we're doing our thing at upstream upstream had been through a couple of years where it's a bit turbulent. You know, they had yeah. some, um, just some, uh, they couldn't find the right pos- person for that position, you know? And, um, and so, um, I acknowledged that, you know, and, and did what I had to do to kind of steer the ship in the right direction a little bit. We, we assembled a great team. Things were going really, really well. And then the food network calls, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, just randomly. Yeah, food network calls. Hey, you want to come on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And so anyway, so, and so this is a cool like recovery story right here because the food network calls. One of my biggest defects, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it out there, is like, it, it's just arrogance, right? So the Food Network calls, and um, they're like, hey, we'd like to um, talk to you about being on the Bobby Flay show. I bet you would. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, fuck, I don't even fucking watch that show. No yeah. thanks. Thanks for no thanks. That loser. You know what I mean? I was like, that is that not. Hair. That would be so dishonest of me to be on that show. And because um, I don't even watch it. And so anyway, but like, but another part of me, the recovery part of me was like, I should probably ask, you know, people with experience, you know, what they thought of the scenario. Yeah. And so I reached out to three people. <laughs> do, <laughs> do it. Do it. And do Literally. It. They were like, don't, what, what? Don't ever think it, man. You know what I mean? Do it. Yeah. And so one was, um, uh, Mark Jackson Scott Wallen and then our publicists at the time. And so anyway, so I went to all three of them and, and like, unilaterally, they were like, what? Huh? Yeah. Like do it, dude. Why would you question that? Do it. Yeah. And so anyway, so one thing led to another, um, you know, we got through the interview process, 
they they uh, you know I'll go ahead and say it they they love the part about recovery oh, hell you yeah. know what I mean and, and felt like um, milk that shit yep yeah. and felt like that would be an intriguing storyline you know for re, uh, reality TV based yeah. program and so last but not least you know I had to I had to clear a few obstacles I felt like I had to do the show and that was one of the you know that was one basically about you know my story and and so again I like that's I think that's the a powerful example of living in a collective, sober collective, right? So I've got a sponsor, I've got people in my life, you know, that have been sober with experience. And I, and I went to them and I said, look, man, they, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how this is going to sit. I don't know if I'm prepared for this. I don't know if this is something I want to do, you know, is, is to put my business out here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it affects a lot of people. You know, I'm a dad, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's a tangled web, you know, and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I was prepared to do that. You know, and that's a lot to ask. I knew what was coming if I went up and did the show. And God, they said, thank God you did. Yeah. And they said, yeah. they said, no, you can help some people. And I said, I can. They're like, yeah, man, you can help some people, you know, tell your story, you know, and be transparent for a fucking change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, think, you know, think of, think of this differently. And then I, you know, of course I have a history of like, you know, again, like alluding to what I started talking about whenever we began this conversation was like internalizing and you know what I mean? And willing my way through certain situations. And so he, I remember my sponsor was like, and you know, and, and stop internalizing, you know, this is, this would be a real good time for you to stop internalizing what's going on inside you. you you'd be amazed at what would happen next. And so anyway, so off I went, we did the show, we did the show. We filmed it in May of 19. Um, I wound up winning somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Bob winner. Saget was there. It was cool. Hey. It was really cool. Rest Bob Saget, peace, Bob. rest in peace, Bob. Bob had a night the night before. Let me tell you. Yeah. That was that was hilarious. It was a it was a fun day, long day, fourteen hours we filmed. What dish? What dish? Lobster, lobster risotto? risotto. Yeah, lobster risotto. Never lived that one down. Um, <laughs> that's a whole. That was it. Fun. It was one shot. It was four. It was just one day. One day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He was doing two shows a day, a.m. Mm-hmm. and p.m. So here's the cool part about that, right? Okay, so um, so you can't say anything when you do these shows. Yeah, you can't say anything. Um, because it's reality TV, and so. Um, I do the show, I win, I'm in New York, come back to Charlotte and, um, and I'm wondering when they're going to air it. You know what I mean? I was told two to three months. Yeah. It took nine, wow. nine months. <laughs> You're telling everybody. <laughs> I just, no, I, I like forgot. I forgot I was even on it. It's, yeah, at, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you, we go into the fall in the restaurant business and like, it's all, you know, that's yeah. all consuming. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, so they finally aired it January 26th or 27th of 2020. Right. And, um, and what's significant about that, and again, it's like, well, this God, God does for us, right? Um, in March of 2020, you know, I would lose my job. Uh, in January 26, or uh, yeah, January 20, we aired the show. Um, it picked up a lot of traction from an audience standpoint on social media. Yeah. And so whenever I lost my job, I came up with this idea of doing your farm, your table. I had this audience on social media um, that I could reach you know, thanks to the show. And, um, yeah. and they like, so they really like propped up this dumb idea I had for a meal delivery business in the middle of a pandemic without a menu. And, um, and so anyway, so looking back on it, like everything just happened it's a perfect for storm. a reason yeah. it continues to happen for a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, dude, that's freaking yeah, awesome. man. So I, I, you know, I went from like two followers, probably, you know, my two sisters, two out of four, you know what I mean? To like <laughs> two out of four, a yeah. couple of thousand. And then, and then, you know what I mean? Like, so, but that's how the business was started. It was started on social media. That is so good. All right, Sam. So I, we could, I could do this for another hour. I would love to keep hearing day to day how everything is progressing and evolving and getting better. 
Let's start with your farms, your table. I mean, you touched on that, but give our listeners exactly what that is. Yeah. So, um, so your farms, your table. So it began, um, when I was laid off from upstream. Right. And again, it's like one of those tools we pick up from sobriety out of, get out of self and into service. Right. And mm -hmm. it'll, it'll right size what's going on between your head. You know, I'm one of 11 million people that were laid off during the pandemic in food and beverage. And so I, I was pissed, you know I mean? Like I was going through a lot. I was angry. I was sad. I was, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I was, I just didn't know what, what, why, and all next. the things. Right. Yep. And, um, and so I didn't know what to do, um, next, but I leaned into recovery and I thought that if I, uh, kind of redirect my energy towards helping other people, the farmers, you know what I mean? And the community at the same time, um, that I would, um, find some sort of healing, you know, from the wounds that were experienced and, and, being laid off and, and my life coming to a, a com completely, complete screeching halt and so anyway so that was the, that was the premise behind your farms your table so we did that it was three courses 30 bucks you know i'd go to a farm each day at farmer's market you know bring it back to the house engineer a menu another dumb idea and, and then cook it box it bag it and deliver it and uh out of my apartment over in Cotswold. and so that's what we did eventually my sister and my brother-in-law went, went up jumping on board and helping out and um more and, more and more orders yeah man yeah well what happened was i uh we i delivered to a food writer and um and she just loved it and did a write up in the Charlotte Axios which was formerly yeah, Charlotte Agenda. Mm -hmm. and um and so anyway so yeah we went from doing ten a day to twenty to thirty to forty and so that's that so then it took off sweet all right so uh, the website so people can yeah yourfarmsyourtable.com. boom there it is all right Ben's friends yeah no obviously our, a lot of our listeners know our one of our past guests Steve Palmer was the uh, co-founders but you are the Charlotte co-leader Charlotte mm -hmm. chapter co-leader. Give us a little bit about the the local the local chapter and, and the work y'all are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like what Steve probably said is like the industry that we love and that we're passionate about has done so much for us. It's about time we did something for the industry, right? You know, and so we want to get back. It's another opportunity to get out of self and into service. And so what they came up with was a fellowship of recovered individuals um, to support those seeking recovery or sober curious. And so um, and not affiliated with um, 12 step yet it's modeled after it. And so, um, so we just want to offer a safe space for people to come on a weekly, daily basis, you know, to come in and share their struggles or their strengths, one or the other, or both, you know, and have an opportunity to hopefully save some lives along the way and, and get some people some help, you know, and change the industry as a whole. The industry has been ravaged by addiction. I've yeah. told you my story. Like yeah. that was, that was normal. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. to get high and work yeah. is normal. I mean, I did it for 20 years. And so what we want to do is, is create a, you know, a sustainable future and all, but also make an impact on people in, on an individual basis. So Ben's friends is where it's at. Uh, Ben's friends hope.com is the website. Um, we do an online meeting via zoom every day at one o'clock Eastern. There's 3 PM meetings. We do an in-person here in Charlotte Monday mornings at 11. I love it, man. Where is that? Is it Oku? Oku. Yeah. 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 I mean like just this week and, and, and just to brag on the group here in Charlotte, you know, we had two people that went off the long-term treatment this week. Not one, but two, you know, and, and so that's that's a tribute to, you know, the collective as a whole. You know, I think the message that Ben and um, I'm sorry, that Mickey and Steve started and continue to share um, is that, you know, you're not alone in this industry, man. You know, and 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 food and beverage is an easy place to hide out if you're a drug addict, mm -hmm. if you're an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because of the pace, the hours, fit right we're in. extremists. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it's an, ex you know, it, it's an extreme atmosphere to work in. It's an easy place to hide, you know, but. But pain is pain, and, and you know we just want, um, you know anybody out there that's that's struggling or has struggled, to, you know, or, or just might have some questions about their health, you know that know that you know that there's a safe space to come to, open hearts, open minds. We'll be there every Monday. Love it.
Tell us about Restaurant Constance. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I told you that, that you know, the scene at the pool whenever I returned. Yeah. First time seeing them after, you know, I think I'd, I'd been gone for a couple of years. Uh, I just cherished that moment. You know what I mean? I mean, like, she had every reason, you know what I mean? To dis, to, to not, you know, want to disassociate herself with me. You know, a dad that wasn't there and, and couldn't be there for a long time. And you now uh, was there with a big smile and open arms and, and a big old open heart. And so mm. um, when I realized through recovery by, by making recovery my priority, my number one priority that I could still cook and I could do it at a high level, you know, um, that if I ever opened up a restaurant, I would name it after her. And so that's, that's restaurant conscious. That's, that's the story behind the name. And, um, uh, as for the restaurant itself, like the, the, there, there's all kinds of concepts in Charlotte. There's all kinds of concepts across the country, right? Beer breweries and Italian yep. place steakhouses. This is a non-concept restaurant, whatever the farmers grow, uh, we'll write the menu with. And so really the concept, if you had to ask me to hold a gun to my head, it would be listening, you know, an opportunity to connect, um, through food, which we can still agree on. You know what I mean? The world's upside down and crazy with politics and everything else, but we can still agree on a good steak or a good short rib or whatever the case may be. And, and for, for, you know, for people to come in and, uh, give us an opportunity to tell stories of the people that are behind the curtain and food and beverage in, in Charlotte. And those are the, the farmers and suppliers that take care of us. Mm. No concept, but what cuisines do you lean towards? Mm. What are, what are you proficient in? I would say that, that my style has evolved. You know, I grew up in an Italian place. I was trained French food. I spent the, past three years studying Japanese. I worked yeah. in Mexico City. You know what I mean? So I have a lot of um like history to lean on whenever I consider the menu. But really it's it it's all about minimalism, you know, and, and saying more with less. Yeah. And so that's what to expect. All right. God, I can't wait. What's the what's the time frame on that? December fifth. Like oh. doors are open December. Doors are open December fifth. So we should have some soft opening family friends, sober people, champagne podcast before then. Yeah. And uh for y'all to come in and help us <laughs> iron out the wrinkles a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and get this show on the road. I mean, we're gonna have to open up like we've been open for six months. We, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um so yeah, yeah. we we can't open up like a new restaurant. We have to open up like we've been open, yeah. you know, to have our shit together. So that's the plan. Yeah. Perfect. Chef Sam. Yeah. Sam Dominich. Mm-hmm. Why do you care? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Um <laughs> When I could not be there for myself, right? When I did not believe for myself, uh, when I was a shell of a human being, people cared. You know, Dennis Wormsley, uh, my hero, you know, been sober 25 years, um, cared. You know what I mean? When you're sober that long, you know, when you've lived a life of 25 years of sobriety, not a lot of people um, still come around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a lot of people are there for newcomers. This man was there for me. And, um, and I, and I never forget where I come from, you know, whether it be my, even my parents, you know what I mean? Like I love them. Um, I never forget, um, you know, I just never forget those that are there for me. And so I think it's, it's a duty and it's an honor to be there for others. You know, I just couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I don't know what's, what, what else I can really add to that. You know, people were there for me. I need to be there for others. No, I think perfect. that's, and, and like, and there, there's, there's so much to gain from that. You know, it's the, it's, there's the paradox, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. In order to keep what you have, you have to give it away. Yes. And so that's everything. Mm. Chef Sam Domenech, everybody, in the flesh. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. Time to go to work. <laughs> yeah, can we get out of here? Time to work. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. For the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline, call 1-800-662-4357 or visit smsa.gov. 
For listeners in the Charlotte, North Carolina community, visit DilworthCenter.org or call 704-372-6969 or visit theblanchardinstitute.com or call 704-288-1097.